Thank you for listening to our podcast from Crossroads, South Arkansas. I am teaching pastor David Preston Jr. I pray the words you hear today speak to you on a personal level and help bring you into a closer relationship with Jesus. Thanks again for joining us. So Father, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you that you care about us and that you're not a God that doesn't understand what we are going through. And we praise you that you've experienced everything that we experience. God, that you have fended off temptation through the word. God, that you know what it feels like to lose a friend. That you understand what it feels like to endure injustice. God, you are not surprised and you are not ignorant of what we face. So God, heal. that has to happen in people's hearts. So God, heal. Prepare people's hearts and heal them in the middle of whatever they're going through. God, you can turn it immediately and that's what we ask you to do. God, we're looking to you today and we praise you for not being an absent God. You are here. We trust you. And it is in your name that we pray all these things. Amen. Good morning. You can be seated. Thank you, Cliff. And uh, thank you all for being here. It's a, uh, it's a great morning to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, this is such a, I don't even know the right word to say. I don't even, it, weird. Um, last week, I preached on confusion and no one could hear it because we were in here by ourselves and we had audio problems. Um, I preached on confusion and, and uh, spiritual battles. And is it no wonder that the sermon I preached on spiritual battles, the audio didn't work, the people couldn't hear? that doesn't tell you it's real, then nothing will. Um, but when I preached on confusion last week, if I would have thought what we'd be dealing with this week was even remotely possible, I would have saved that sermon. Would have saved it for this week. Um, I saw, boy, social media is great and awful all at the same time. Um, I saw a lot of people praying for pastors that they know exactly what to speak on this morning. Um, it's an important day in the church. It's Pentecost Sunday. Um, and that's an important day of the church where Jesus promised His Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit was delivered. It's an important day. Um, there's pastors all over this country, I promise you, preaching that if this country will humble itself and call on the name of the Lord, He'll heal their land. Um, and that's great. I'm, I'm not preaching on that this Sunday. 
there's pastors using that scripture all over the country this morning. And we, as I prayed this week to come to, to bring this sermon to you today with the burden because you see what's going on. You know, I, I sat in my living room last night and I told Heather as we were watching the news at about 11.30 last night, I said a month ago we all talked about how it felt like we were living in a movie. We're all trapped in our house. We're, we're scared to go outside. We're afraid if we go outside, are we going to catch this virus that's going to kill us all? And it felt like we were living in a movie. You go to the grocery store and the shelves are bare. That never happens in the United States. That's stuff that happens in other countries in movies that we see. But we were living it. And that was a month ago. It felt like we were in the middle of a horror movie. And fast forward a month, and it feels like we're in the middle of another horror movie. We've gone from worried about dying from disease to now we're fighting each other, killing each other. Um, and it's we've gone from one bad movie to the next. Uh, and it's, it's a scary time. Christians aren't supposed to live in fear. We're not. But I, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you this morning. I watch the news and it's scary. I have fear. I was talking with my son last night that I'm afraid if something drastic doesn't happen for the good of the outcome of what it's going to take to stop all of this. I'm afraid of that. Because it's not going to be allowed to go on forever. It's just not. And the means that it would take to stop it are scary. But as I prepare for this sermon, and I'm watching the news, and I'm praying, and I'm, I'm seeing everything going on, one verse just kept coming back to me. One verse kept coming back to me and I couldn't get away from it. John 10, 10 says the thief the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And in our country right now we have killings that are going on that are not justified. We have stealing that is going on that is not justified. We have destruction that is going on that is not justified. The thief is running crazy through our country right now. And if we as Christians don't see that, if we as Christians don't act on that, we're missing our calling and our purpose here on this earth. That makes it really hard. I'm not going to lie to you. This makes it really hard to preach. It does. And the reason is is because you want to say the perfect thing. If you're on social media and you've watched over the last three or four days, so many people are coming out and trying to say the perfect words. 
that will fix everything. Well, folks, let me just be honest with you. People have been trying to find the perfect words for 200 years, and it hasn't fixed it yet. Words are not going to fix this. What's going to fix this is the Christians in our country taking the principles of Christianity and spreading it out through all people. Not just the people we sit by on Sunday. It's going to take us taking the love of Jesus and spreading that out throughout the world and showing everybody the love of Jesus instead of just the people we sit by on Sunday. There is no doubt in my mind and there's a lot of good people in this world. I'm not saying there's not. But the answer to our country's problems are in the church. The answer to our country's problems are sitting right here with us today or watching with us online right now. We are the answer for our country's problems. But far too long, we hid behind it because we don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to offend we don't want to say something that's going to make somebody mad. Folks, if we're saying what Jesus would have said at that perfect time and it makes them mad, that's not our fault. People got mad at Jesus when He was on this earth. But He spoke truth. He spoke life. And right now, we need life. We don't need to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We need life. And that's up to us to live that. And not just speak it. People are tired of hearing. People want to see. I promise you right now, the African American community in our country is tired of hearing people say, we're going to do better. I can promise you that. They want to see people doing better. And they deserve that. They deserve that. They're tired of hearing. As Christians, we should be tired of hearing people say we're going to do better and then not do anything different. I can't think of a time in my lifetime where the old phrase, actions speak louder than words, is more true than right now in our country. Actions speak way louder than words. So you can get on Twitter, you can get on Facebook and make this long, profound speech about what you want to do, but the reality of it is you can say it all day long until you start living it, it's not going to make a difference. It's not going to make a change. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The thief is running wild in our streets right now. And I'm not talking about individual people. I'm talking about Satan and his demons are running wild in our streets right now. And it's impacting the people everywhere. There is a spiritual warfare going on right now and it's being battled in our country more right now than maybe ever in the history of our country, at least for its immediate impact. It's a spiritual warfare. The thief is there. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That should be our purpose. It's so everyone 
has a rich and satisfying life. That doesn't mean to make them money. It's not what that's meaning. That means your life is full of purpose. It's full of hope. It's full of love. It's full of everything that Jesus can give to you. And you have a rich life because you have everything you need. When you have everything you need, life is good. And that's Jesus' plan is to give you a rich, satisfying life. Everything you need. So, when I was thinking about praying, or praying about what I was going to speak on this week, and when I was thinking about it and trying to feel where the Lord was leading me, this verse kept coming back to my mind because of everything we were seeing. Everything that was coming before us in our eyes. And there's a lot of things going on in the church. We mentioned Pentecost Sunday. We mentioned the first Sunday we actually get to come back. And I can stand here and see you guys there. That you're there. And I'm not looking through car windshields. Or I'm not just looking at a camera. Which is awful. But we were glad to do it. But I can actually see people. And it's great. There would have been a great sunshiny sermon to preach about gathering in the Lord's house today. But I just didn't feel that was right. And when I was thinking about this, I, I, I asked myself that good old question, what would Jesus do? In his time, when situations were in turmoil, what would he do? He didn't find something else to talk about. He didn't run from it. He addressed it. He addressed it. And if that's what he would do if he was here today, I think pastors need to do the exact same thing. And as many pastors are preaching on if my nation will call on him and humble themselves, they'll hear their land. There's just as many that are running from this situation today too. And they're not addressing it. And I feel like it needs to be addressed. But I don't think it needs to be addressed. I, I feel like it needs to be addressed from the actions we can take. What can we do? If it's not words and it's actions, what actions can we take to improve our situation in our country? When Jesus didn't like what was going on in the temple, what did he do? He cleaned it up, didn't he? He went. The Bible says he threw tables. He through a fit. Probably the only time in Scripture that we could say, whoa, why did Jesus do that? Isn't that what we're not supposed to do? But when things weren't right, He went and made a difference. He didn't ask them to leave the temple. He kicked them out. He kicked them out. Now somebody's going to sit there and say, well, so do you think that rioting is okay? That's not what I'm saying. Because he was justified in his action. I told Timmy last night, there's nothing wrong with the protest. But there's a right way to do things. And it needs to be done the right way. Well then, why can you say that's right if Jesus went in and flipped tables and turned it? Because that was in his house. The temple was his house. Some of us would make a great difference in our country if we would clean our own houses a little bit. The things we allow to go on in our houses 
carry out when you leave. The things that we say in our own houses carry out when you leave. The examples we set in our houses carry out when we leave the house. And when it carries out, it carries the same exact message. And if that message is getting presented in public, instead of in your house, we're not doing what we need to do. So some of us need to go and clean our own houses. When Jesus didn't like what was going on in His house, the temple, He cleaned it out. He took care of the problem. And a lot of us in public like to live one life, but when we return back to our house, it's a different aspect. The last thing a Christian needs to do is live one life in public and a different life at home. People have complained about that for Christians way too long. Too fake. A lot of times it gets thrown on us because we come to church every Sunday and then we go out in the world and live a crazy lifestyle and well, how are you going to go on church on Sunday and be at a party on Saturday? The folks, it works the other way too. How can you be out there and live a good life in the in the community, but then when you get home, you're harboring sin, you're harboring hatred, you're harboring the thief in your own life at home? A lot of us have house cleaning we need to do. When Jesus saw an issue in the temple, He went and cleaned the house. Because the Bible tells us in Galatians, we reap what we sow. And where do you sow it? You sow it at home. That's where you sow it. Galatians chapter 6 verse 8. Timmy, if you don't mind flipping that right quick for me. Galatians 6 8. It says, Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Where do you sow it? You sow it at home. And those that go and sow to satisfy your own sinful nature, to do what you've always wanted to do, because that's the way you've always done it. Isn't that what we're fighting right now in this country? We're doing what we've always done because that's the way we've always done it. We'll talk about making a change, but when it comes to actually making a change, it's easier to do what we've always done. Those who live only to satisfy their own, own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Folks, our country right now is harvesting decay and death. Our country is harvesting decay and death. Steal, kill, and destroy. We're seeing it right in front of our eyes our own sinful nature that's bringing us to this point. But there's hope. That's what I love about the Bible is every time you take something like that that really punches you in the gut and makes you realize how bad we are, it's followed with hope. There's a but there. But those who live to please the Spirit... Go back right quick, Tim. Thank you. Those who go, though, those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. You please the Spirit, you live forever. 
You start harvesting greatness. There's a popular phrase in our country right now, make America great again. <laughs> you want to know how to make America great again? Start reaping and sowing greatness. Biblical greatness. It shouldn't be a slogan. It should be a way of life for Christians to sow greatness in our homes and reap that greatness in our homes. And if, it, if sin can spread out from our homes, I promise you Jesus can spread out from our homes. If the sinful nature and the stuff that we sow in our homes and we start reaping decay and death can spread out into our society, I promise you if we start sowing the God, greatness of God in our homes, it can spread out the exact same way. And we will start harvesting eternal life from the Spirit. Verse 9, it says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. That verse, that part of that verse, that part of that verse might be one of the most important verses in the Bible, especially today. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. Let's not get tired of doing what is right. I've told you this before. When I dropped the kids off at school every morning, when we had school, I would always tell TV and Sydney, and last thing I tell them, love you, do the right thing. Because it doesn't matter where you're at, if you do the right thing, you're going to stay out of trouble. If you do the right thing, you're going to be pleasing God. If you do the right thing, you're going to be making an impact on others that's positive instead of negative. And believe it or not, it's not hard to always do the right thing. We make it hard to do the right thing because of our sinful nature and us wanting to do the things we've always done. Have you ever gotten tired of doing the right thing? I tried to think about that. Have I ever done the right thing and gotten tired of you? I said, you know what? I'm tired of doing this. Let's do it bad. That just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But Paul tells us here, let's not get tired of doing the right thing because he knew the church that he's writing to would make great strides. And then they would say, oh, wait a minute. Remember when we did it that way? And they fall back to the old pattern. Paul could have said this to every church he wrote to. Because in that Christian life, you're always going to be faced with those temptations. You're always going to be faced with those things that get thrown in your face that make you want to say, you know what? Is it worth it? I promise you it's worth it to do the right thing. I promise you it's always worth it to do the right thing. Don't grow tired of doing the right thing. And the Bible tells us very next part of this verse at just the right time. Not when I need it. Not when I want it. Not when the world tells me it's the right time. But at God's just the right time. At the perfect time. That's what that means. At just the right time. You can take that out and put perfect. At the perfect time we will reap the harvest of blessings 
if we don't give up. You ever been in that spot where you said, I've done this, I've done this, God, I need this blessing. Y'all, If y'all don't know where y'all are at, y'all are better Christians than me. But God, I need this. And I'm praying hard. And I'm doing everything right. Because we're not making a deal with God, but in reality, we're making a deal with God. I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to stop doing this because I know I need this blessing right now. I know I need this right now. I've done this so many times myself. God, please help me to do this. And you do it right for so long, and you don't get the answer that you want. And the thought crosses your mind, why am I doing the right thing so much if it's not going to work out? Have you ever been there? I've been there. And if you haven't, congratulations. You're better than me. That's okay. But I've been there where I've wanted something to work out so hard that I sit there and do everything right. And when it doesn't come right when I think it should, I wonder why am I doing it all this if it's not going to work out. Because I'm trying to figure things out on my time. But the Bible says if we do the right things at the perfect time, at just the right time, we're going to reap that blessing, that harvest of a blessing at just the right time. So when you're doing the right things and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're living the life you're supposed to be living and it doesn't seem like it's working out, don't give up. Keep doing it. One more day. And if it doesn't work out that day, do it one more day. And if that doesn't work out, do it one more day. And if that doesn't work out, do it one more day. Do y'all see the pattern here? And then at some point, at just the right time, God is going to give you that blessing that He's promised you. At just the right time. That's why it's so important for our country. We're in a spot where there's so many people not doing the right things. And I mean Christians too. There's so many of us not doing the right things. Why in the world would we expect God to even bless us right now anyway? With the amount of things going on in our country, why would we even think that God would cause all this to stop? We sure haven't earned it. But there's this beautiful thing called the grace of God. That so many times he gives us exactly the opposite of what we deserve. All he wants from us is just the peace of doing the right thing. Actions. Actions speak louder than words. Don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you're going to do. Action. Clean house. Sow something great and let greatness be grown. Verse 10, it says this, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Look, this just finishes up, especially to those in the family of faith. Especially to those. But right now, I want you to see the urgency. Our church, Free and Frank Shelton, is writing a book right now, and the title of that book is Urgency. 
and I can't wait to read it. I know it's going to be great. Because he sees the need for an urgent change in our country. Folks, I, I've told you before, and I say this a lot, but because things are changing literally. When we get home, something's going to be different than it was when we left for church this morning. Things are changing that fast. And everything that happens is leading to the return of Jesus and the rapture. It's close, guys. It's close. The close still might be a hundred years away, but it's close. In the scheme of eternity, it's a few minutes away. Maybe even a few seconds away. It's coming quick and there needs to be an urgent change. And we can't expect an urgent change in our country if we don't make an urgent change in ourselves. Me as a dad and a husband, I can't expect my house to start sowing greatness if I don't start sowing greatness myself. I can't expect my kids to follow what I say and do. Well, they're going to follow what I say and do. I better be doing great things. And then I pray that my kids go to their school and they show greatness and pours out. It overflows on the people around them. You know, the Bible tells us about this and back in, in John, and Timmy, I don't have these there so you don't have to worry about it, but back in the John chapter 10, it talks about Jesus being the shepherd. And the sheep hearing his voice and following him. And I heard a, I heard a, a man speak on this uh, last week, and it came back to me this week, and it, it makes perfect sense. You know, you've seen pictures of, of Jesus carrying a lamb on his shoulders, and when you look at that picture, your first thought can be that Jesus is just taking care of that lamb. And he's carrying it. And that's a great picture. It's a great thought. But the reality is, is when a shepherd was carrying a lamb, it's because that lamb kept running away. That little sheep kept running away. I read an article late last night. A few years ago, 1,500 sheep, I believe it was in the country of Turkey, fell off a cliff because one jumped and the rest of them followed. Almost 500 of them died. The thousand that didn't die was because they landed on the sheep that had already fallen and were able to survive. But 1,500 sheep jumped off a cliff because one did. If that shepherd loses track of that one runaway sheep, he can lose everything. So when we see that picture of Jesus holding that lamb, that sheep, that ran away, what they would do is they would go and catch that sheep if it ran away for a pattern of time 
And then if it was running away enough and that shepherd said, this is too much, he would take his staff and he would break the leg of that sheep where it couldn't run. And he would mend it, he would repair it, bandage it, and then he would carry that sheep everywhere it would go until it was healed. Now, if that sheep started fighting him and started trying to get away, he'd put it down. And it wouldn't take too many steps on that broken leg before that sheep to realize this is not a great idea. And he would pick him back up and carry him. But during that time he carried him, he would feed him. He would water him. He would love him. He would build a bond with him. And after the six weeks or so that he had to carry that sheep every day, and that bone peeled in that sheep's leg, he could put that sheep down. And you know what happened? He didn't run off anymore. It knew who its provider was. And that bond that they built during those times where his leg was broken was stronger than his urge to run. The sheep follow the people around them. But sheep also listen to the shepherd's voice. Those verses in John 10 say that when my sheep hear my voice, they hear me and they know me. They know who I am. But when the thief comes, they don't recognize his voice. When the shepherd who's doing it for the money is there and the wolf comes, that shepherd runs. But when I'm here, because I love my flock, I fight that wolf. Our country needs its leg broken right now. Our country needs its leg broken right now. We're running. And that thief that's running through our streets is dressed in sheep's clothing. And he's running us to a cliff. And he's fixing to jump off. And if we don't get our leg broken as a country, we're going to follow him right over the edge of that cliff. The thief in sheep's clothing. You know, there was another story of a sheep that was named Shrek. I don't know where I remember that. I just do. Yeah, there we go. We got some kids in here. A sheep named Shrek that kept running away. They couldn't catch him. For six years, he stayed with the flock, but stayed out of reach of the shepherds. When it came time they tried to catch him, he'd go hide in caves. He'd run up into the mountains. For six years, they couldn't catch him. When they finally caught him, he had so much wool on him that he couldn't even see. That's how they finally caught him. He had so much wool that it had covered his eyes. He couldn't see. When they sheared him, they got 60 pounds of wool off of him. A normal sheep would shear about 10 pounds a year. So six times the amount of wool on him. They said it would have been enough to make four or five men soup. But his running and hiding led to so much growth, bad growth, that it ended up blinding him. 
Our country's running and hiding so much today that we're ending up being blinded by the things we've allowed to happen to us. Old Shrek, if he had just got caught, would have never been blinded. But he kept hiding and running and ended up blinding himself. Our country's running right now. We need our legs broken. And now more than ever, we need Jesus to carry us. We need to build that bond back with Him. We need to let Him feed us, take care of us. And then we have to do what He tells us. It won't matter if we don't do what we're told. That little lamb has its leg broken and it took off running. If that shepherd said stop, you know what it did? It stopped. It did what it was told. Words are great. Actions are better. And if we want our country to be what it can be, we have to quit talking and we have to start doing. And it starts with doing the principles of living like Jesus would live. Doing what Jesus would do. Doing what Jesus did when He was here on this earth. I'm going to finish with this verse right here. Galatians 3.28 There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. No longer any of that, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If we see anybody different than us, we're not living like Jesus lived. If we see anyone different than us, we're not living like Jesus lived. There's none of that anymore. No Jew, no Gentile. You know what those were? Those were races. No male, no female. Gender equality. No slave, no free. We're one. And when Christians start living as one, our country will get to where it needs to be. When we can't talk about it, we have to do it. We have to follow His teaching and follow His words. I want nothing better than for my kids to be to grow up in this country and to feel safe. But if I expect my kids to be able to feel safe, I have to expect everybody's kids to be able to feel safe. And if I'm doing anything that would keep someone else's kids from being safe, I have got to fix it right now. And that's my prayer for you, for the ones watching, for the ones that aren't watching. That's my prayer for every church in this country is that if we're doing something that would make somebody's kid not feel safe, we correct our problem and we change it. 
Don't tell me what you're going to do. Don't tell me how sorry you are. Do it. And if our churches would take that stand, I fully believe that injustice in this country would disappear. We haven't given it a shot, but the voice of good will blare out the voice of evil if we all scream loud enough. The voice of good will drown out the voice of evil if we all scream good loud enough. It's time for us to start shouting and doing and being the Christians that Jesus called us to be. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you this morning. I praise you, Lord. I thank you for loving me even though I don't deserve it. Lord, I thank you for talking to me and sharing with me even though I, there's no reason for you to do that other than you love me. Lord, I pray right now for our country, the situation that we're in, Lord, the situation that we brought on ourselves in many ways. Lord, I fully believe the, the solution is You. For too many years, people have tried to solve this on their own. We call on You to guide us right now. Let us follow Your teachings. Let us follow Your examples. Lord, let us do the things that You called us to do that you called us to do and that you expect us to do. Lord, guide me to be the example for my family, to be the example for this church. And Lord, I pray that you guide everyone else in the same way. Thanks again for joining our podcast today. If you're in South Arkansas, we'd love to have you visit us. If you'd like more information on our church, please visit us on Facebook or our YouTube channel at Crossroads South Arkansas. I pray that as God pours His love and grace over you, it overflows onto those around you. God bless from Crossroads.